yeah, I was at South by Southwest, but I had an anxiety attack before this. Or like, how come people can't see that I'm so depressed when I'm like, I have mascara stains under my, under my eyes. You know what I mean? Like I'm crying in the bathroom before this. What's up, everyone? It's your boy, Danny Priori, and welcome to Off the Cuff. You might know me as the guy from the basement yard, Vine, the Low Priori podcast. And while I love to make people laugh, just know that I've struggled with my mental health for most of my life, just like many of you. Here on Off the Cuff, I will be talking with some of the most impactful influencers, athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and mental health experts to have real, unapologetic conversations about mental health and breaking the stigma that surrounds it. This show is for you, and I'm so happy to have you here. Now, let's talk Off the Cuff. Welcome back to Off the Cuff. I am your host, Danny Priori, and today I am joined by film director of the short film conversation with friends the creator of sad girls club i can't wait to talk about it and i can't express enough how much i love this website we're going to talk about it when we get into it but today i'm joined by elise fox happy to be here nice to meet you danny thank you so much first thing i have to say about sad girls club the website love the font that's much appreciated honestly I'm going to come clean. I made the decision to like work on our branding. And we had like, I remember we had like $10,000 in our account and the branding costs like 8,000. And I was like, this is going to bring us to the next level. Like you got to look good. Like people want you to look good. You got to show up hundred percent for people to invest in you. And I would say like within the next month after investing in that branding, like tenfold, people love the branding, the font, everything is just. You got to spend money to make money. Exactly. That's, what, that's what people got to understand. But yeah, I'm a font snob. And I have to say, as soon as I saw this font, I was like, yeah, I love this website. Let me tell you something about women. Their attention to detail is untouchable. Thank you. That makes me feel so good. You have no idea. I have to tell the team who worked on it. They're based in in the UK. And it's been like a process, but I'm happy that we're here. And the brand feels like me. Like for a long time, it felt so disconnected. But now I'm like, this is literally me. I'm so like childish at times, but I could be a little bit serious. And I feel like it, it, it speaks to that really well. See. The thing I love about mental health, though, too, and you being a mental advocate as well. So it's like, I feel like you have to be a little bit childish at times because, in a sense, it's such a dark, morbid world, mental health. It really can be. But to find like the childish side of it is like such an enlightening experience. It is. And this is something I don't really express as much because everybody is like very sensitive, but I have a very dark sense of humor and i love like dark comedy and all those things and i'm like comedy and mental health go hand in hand that's why most comedians that i know are depressed or like have something going on with them you know what i'm saying so like it goes hand in hand we gotta like lighten it up for it to feel lighter you're looking at one it's always so funny even when i go to like my regular doctor when i first met her i was like well you know i'm on lexapro she was like okay how long you been on it and i was like oh i've been on it for a few years and she was like oh what do you do and I was like, oh, I'm a stand-up comedian. And then she was like, you're like the ninth stand-up comedian I've ever treated in my life. You guys are all depressed. I was like, yeah, dude, it's just what it is. But I tell people all the time on this show, it's like, if you can't find the levity within mental health, it's going to like consume you. Literally, that's an outlet, like to be able to tell jokes and make fun of yourself about it. Like, because some of the stuff is actually funny when you look back on it, like your darkest times. Like when you look back on it, like I was really stressing out over 
X, Y, Z when to like right now is the smallest thing in my mind. Like you got to be able to laugh about it and not brush it off, but like, you like you said, find the duality in like your sadness, I guess. Yeah, of course. Also, like when we started this show, it was like to get rid of the stigma in men, especially men of color. And what I wanted to ask you is in your like research, have you found that there's different stigmas between male and female? Absolutely. If you look at the wellness space as a whole, like how many wellness spaces or communities can you name anywhere, like community, like in person, online for men? I'm sure you can list off a number of platforms for like women. So it's already just there. There's not as much support for men as it is for women. And I feel strongly that I can support a man, but I don't know the experience of a man. So I feel like men have to like lead that conversation, lead that charge. There's some amazing men who are, but it's still like not really happening as fast as women. And also like men. I'm like, let me tell you about men. But like, from what yeah, I know, no, listen, I'm re- I'm ready. I'm ready, and I, I already know that it's going to be right, so it's perfectly fine. I was looking at this like this study. I mean, obviously, this is a thing that I have. Bro- I have a brother. I kind of understand it. It was a, a study about like women's friendships. How women's friendships are like relationships. Like we cry with each other, we hug each other, we sometimes see each other naked. Like we see, we our women's friendships are like really, really in depth. But like guys, I don't know what you guys talk about, but everything I feel like that's really heavy can be like held in. So the rate of suicide or death by suicide for men is a lot higher than women because I feel like men don't have that outlet within their friendships. And if you don't have it within your friendships, you probably don't have it within your home. If you don't have it within your home, you probably don't have it with somebody who you work with. And then with the COVID pandemic coming in with everybody being kind of just separated, like you really don't have that support system, which is why it affects men at a whole different level and rate because it's just like the silence of it all is the hardest part of it, not being able to talk to somebody. For sure. And then obviously, you know, growing up, if you were sad, it was gay. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> that's what it was. It's like, oh, this guy's sad, he is gay. And if you cry, if you show tears, like, no. Oh. Show, why, why are you crying? Stop crying. Like it's yeah. just it wasn't just your friends, it was like adults too. <laughs> like, like like your teacher. <laughs> yeah, they just be like, hey, dude, stop being gay back there and crying. And I was just like, whoa. You know, like teachers didn't give a fuck. I'm 34. I'm going to be 35 in January. When I was like one of the last eras of school where you could literally say like, oh, that's gay. And like, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't even get in trouble. The teacher would probably like, yeah, it, that's true. It is. It the is teacher would be like, it is gay, but sit down, Danny. Okay. You know, like that was like the last era of like doing that. Everybody's talking about mental health now. And I love that. But it's become, and I'm sure you see this with sad girls, that some things start to fall through the cracks because it's everybody either is like self-diagnosing themselves or like, I always say this on the show. I've had people reach out to me and like, not backlash, but like people have reached out and said this, but like mental health is almost sexy now. Yeah. It's like a, you know how the, how the Gen Z's have like their eras, like. Yeah, like huge. I'm in my depression era. Yeah, I'm in my, part of like, I'm in my sad girl era. I'm in my sad girl era, and I'm like, please don't do that. Like, please don't do that. That's the, like, you gotta start suing people. And oh, it's already happening. No. <laughs> we got a lot of C and Ds out there already. I hear but you. I hear you. It's sad like, girl it's like, era. becomes a trend. That's that's the reason why I named it Sad Girls Club because it was already like a trendy Tumblr thing, and I just like reclaimed it as something like let's actually do something with this phrase instead of just sitting on it like it's our personality but yeah it's become now like like i said a trend and the thing with trends is that they come and then they go but the thing with mental health 
Fashion is going nowhere. Like mental health is not going anywhere. So it could be a trend for you for this season. And you can dress all emo and have like whatever the Y2K style was for depression. But like <laughs> at the end of the day, unless you're getting treatment for it, or unless you're going to see a doctor to actually get diagnosed, you don't know exactly what you have. And I think that is something that we're trying to combat to with social media. Like, yes, talk about mental health. Let's know what it is. Let's identify like what these symptoms are. But like, not just you, like go to the doctor, go talk to somebody. If you're a child, go to your parents. But it's becoming like super trendy, which I don't, sometimes I'm like, oh, that's cool that people are talking about it, but it can't just be buzzy. Oh, no. Yeah. I get so upset. I was like, guys, I was depressed before it was cool. I understand everybody's depressed and everybody's talking about it now, but I get so upset and maybe like this is not a good like outlook, but when people tell me like, oh man, like I'm so depressed. I've been depressed for a while. And I'm like, dude, have you gone to a doctor yet? Or like even like told anybody? And right. they're like, ah, I'm just like, dude, like I get so upset. I'm like, why didn't you tell me this earlier? I would have tried to help find you, you know, but yeah. I hate to put people in that position because everyone has their own life process. But like, it kills me to hear like a close friend tell me that he's depressed. Like, obviously they have to want to get the help to for them to be helped. But it's also like, the more you talk about your problems, like if you're talking about like an ex you have or a girl you dated, your friend's gonna be like, okay, either dump her, do this or do this and stop talking about it. So if you continue to talk about your depression or what's going on with you or things that are actually like affecting you aside from the surface level shit, like your friends are going to want to help you and point you in the right direction. Like, oh, actually I can go to therapy. This is my therapist. Maybe not go to this person, but they might know someone that can help you with what you're going through. So like, I'm just like, Yes, feeling it, like understanding what your feelings are, but like you have to take action or else it's going to consume you and then you're going to be. Absolutely. No, for sure. And it's you want to know what it is, too. It's the thing that sucks about men. It's not that all of us lack empathy, but I think a lot of us lack the ability to empathize, especially with women. So when it comes to women being upset, even men, even our friends being upset, if they come to you with an issue, it's all right, how do I solve this? It's problem solving. Yeah. Like mission mission driven. Like, how can I get someone to point me? I I get that. I see that a lot with with men. You know, it's like that. It'll be like, dude, like I'm just like sad or whatever. And and like guys are like, oh, it's like drink a couple beers or whatever, like and figure it out. It's like, oh, like get some pussy. You know, (laughs) it's like, you know, like we'll figure it out. So, like, you know, it becomes like it's always problem solving. And this is something that I deal with, too. You know what I mean? So now it's like I learned it on this show. If my wife is having like a hard day, I'll literally start with like, do you want me to empathize with you in this moment? Or do you want me to like help you find a solution? I like that. Look at you. How did you learn? Like what sparked that source of empathy, I guess? This show right here. Yeah, I was I was talking to um, a relationship specialist. And he was like, listen, you have to approach your wife when she comes to you with a problem. First of all, she's showing signs of trust in you. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for women to trust men, even their partners. And I never really thought about that. I said, hey, you know what? Like, it is kind of hard to trust, like, somebody of the opposite sex 100% because they just don't know what it's like. I don't know what it's like to be a woman. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And if you're not the step to understand, like, it's not just the feeling. It's like all of these things in between the feelings or that led to the feeling that are. So Listen, I've been with my wife for four years. I haven't heard her fart once. 
So like, you know, like there's still things that like are private and she hides and like, you know, and like does like things to, you know, this girl shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, I 100% understand that there's societal norms, but then there's also like things people are comfortable with. Yeah. So if she's having a hard time, I always have to start with that question. So I know how to attack it. And not be like, oh, like, well, then we'll just figure it out. Like, right. Oh, my job is giving me a hard time. I'm like, oh, we'll find another job. Like, don't worry about it. Like, women don't want to hear that shit. Right. It's it's just like a bunch of band-aids. It's literally a bunch of band-aids. And then it it makes it worse. It's like, now I got to deal with you and that's the stupid ass advice. Plus, like, whatever I'm going through. So, like, shout out to you for for learning, taking that therapy session in. Yeah, because you want to know what it is. I learned that 95% of man advice for a woman is most of the time it's not right. You know, and uh, or it's packaged the wrong way. Uh, yeah, delivery is really key, too, especially in the moment. I have a I have a toddler. So I've been learning like about how delivery plays a role and like how you communicate more than like with adults. And I'm like, damn, if I say it like this, you really don't even respect anything I'm saying. But I got to come to you correct at the right time. It's like a. Yeah. Like a a delicate animal and i'm like okay now that you're calmed down you had your tantrum like now let's talk about it so that is true delivery is key how old's your son he's four he's four he's getting to that age did he go through a terrible twos no he was no my guy is like great i'm like one of those moms i'm a little water birth kind of mom i like yeah yeah gentle parenting he didn't have a terrible twos but i, I would say four Everything's a question. Why do I need to do that? And I'm just like, I'm from the era of like, because I said so, because I said so. Yes. Don't talk back to me, but I'm trying to like give him responses. But it's like something's like, why do you want me to eat dinner? Bro, like every night we do this, like, why do I have to answer this question again? So I'm trying to <laughs> not be as frustrated, but I would say four is really it's a challenge. But, you know, we ride. Do you love being a mom? I'm sure you do. But was there a process of kind of falling in love with being a mom? I never wanted to be a mom until, oh, wow. I met, yeah, until I met his dad. I was like, I'm a pretty cool auntie, whatever. I'm the youngest in my family. I wasn't like, oh, it's not about to be a mom. I was never planning. And like, I never did any of that stuff. And I got pregnant. I was like, okay, like what kind of mom do I want to be? Like, I hope it's a boy. Cause I, I'm definitely, I feel, I give boy mom energy. I hope he's a little yeah, boy. Yeah. And thankfully he was, he is, but it wasn't like immediate where I was like, yes, I'm a mom. I'm so excited. Like, let me show you my baby. It was really just like, this is some scary shit. Like it was it's, in my mind, even at like a young age, I was like, motherhood does not sound like fun. Like it's really just like, it's a job. It's like a, an endless job. I tell my wife all the time. She's like, Oh, I want to have a baby. I'm like, hold up. You say you want to have a baby. That's crazy. Yo, that's a commitment. Like it's all about commitment. Cause anything else aside from having a pet pets, they never learn how to take care of themselves. So they are annoying too. But like, okay. Like children are just, it's a whole, it's a whole different beast. And you don't want to put out like a shitty child into the world or shitty adult because you did a horrible job. So now you have to work double time to combat whatever's going on in the world to make sure your child isn't soaking that shit up and putting it back out into the world. So I would say (laughs) it took, it didn't take me a long time to like fall in love with him and like whatever, but like as far as motherhood and like accepting it and owning it, that it's a life change. And every year I'm like, my life is drastically changing with him going to school now. And now I'm like a soccer mom. And that's, I'm trying to accept that identity. <laughs> Don't think I'm cool, but it's it's been a process. Now I'm like, we got our good rhythm. He's four. He has his own life and his own friends and stuff. He like works and does things too, but it, it's definitely a process. I was never one of those, like I'm a, a woman who was born to be a mother and like a wife. I like, feel you. And like, I feel like that's a stigma too. 
Yeah. You know, just because you're born a woman, people automatically assume that you want to have kids. Yeah. And I don't know why that would go. I mean, obviously, for obvious reasons, but like, I don't know why that's assumed for everyone. Um, Because with with men, you don't assume that they all want to be fathers. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I would say say a good amount of them don't want to be dads. (laughs) I would say that too. I'm like, and and it shows. <laughs> and it shows. You know what I mean? And then just be like, hey, like, yeah, I don't know. We'll figure it out. See, yeah. that's the kind of thing because here's the thing about women is that when I hear like a woman say, Oh, I can't wait to have babies, I automatically just go to the physical part of it. I'm like, yo, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> like, if somebody came to me and they were like, hey man. We want you to be the first man to give birth. It'll be amazing. You'll be able to monetize it. Be am- I'm like, yeah, I'm not putting my body through that for nine months, dog. I'm not doing that. And it's 10 months. It's literally 10 months. They <laughs> yeah, it's 10 months. It's, it's like, you're telling me I'm going to wake up like sick and shit. I'm not good on that. And then you're going to say that, like, I got to shoot this baby out somewhere. I'm not doing that. Like, that's wild. My mom did it four times. I was like, what is wrong with this woman? A queen. I couldn't. I'm I'm oh. like, you're having multiples? I'm like, you didn't learn? <laughs> that's the thing, too. It's like, yo, I'm going to do it again. I said, you're fucking nuts. That's a different type of insanity. But but even like, I'm sure with you, even amongst friends, when you were like, yeah, I don't want, I don't want kids before you had your son, they probably looked at you like, what? Yeah, like, are you, no, you're going to change your mind eventually. And I was like, what, what would change my mind? Like, the more fun I'm having in life in adulthood is going to make me want to have a kid even more. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's something that you feel. It's like innate. But that's why I'm, like, very vocal about it when I do interviews. I'm like, no, I really never wanted to be a mom. Like, I love my son down, but, like, this wasn't part of my original plan. I didn't dream about this, but love him. He's here. He's amazing. But I got to, we got to normalize that. Because men don't even have to say it. They don't even get asked those questions. You just had a baby. Did you always dream of being a father? What did you say? What was your first moments? Literally no one asked that. No. It's a, it's just like, you know, we just got to show up. You know what I mean? <laughs> you just, I was in the room. Yeah. Yeah. We, like you got to be around. You know, <laughs> that's the craziest part. Like, my wife would just be like, oh, like I love being a woman. I'm like, yeah, I know you do. But, like, if you were pregnant, that should probably be crazy. It's gross. It's, it gets real gross, real quick. It's nastiness. Then you have like, yeah. and the baby comes, and it's just like, I don't know, more, more gross. Did you have postpartum? I did. I like topped off my depression with postpartum depression. So I added that on. But I'm like, what's it called? A high function depressed person. So I started working like maybe two weeks after I had him. And then I had a crash like after, when he was like about three months old. And I started going to therapy. Shout out to my girl, Ebony. Started going to therapy when he was three months old. And I was like, what's going on? And it was funny because I'm a mental professional, but I was like, I understand all the signs and things, but I was like, I'm so productive. Like I'm getting the bags. I'm doing all of these things. I'm doing all these shoots. And she was like, no, you're, you're, you're still depressed. Like there are still things that you, and you have to like shed. I had to literally with me, I had to shed my previous self because I was very much outside. So I had to shed the outside Elise and like really nurture or like fall into nurturing like the new Elise. And that was really, really hard for me. I didn't have to take any meds. I wasn't diagnosed with any meds or anything, but I literally have to go to therapy every single week just to get through it and just to like understand my new self. Did you have like that uh like that postpartum where you're like, 
hate to say this, but you're just like, look at your son. And she's like, man, fuck this little motherfucker, man. No, it was literally like, I, I literally the thing. <laughs> I didn't have that. I would look at him and everybody knows in my family, like I need my sleep. Like I'm somebody who gets like eight, nine hours. Like I need my sleep. If I get anything under seven, it's a wrap. So I remember when he would cry in the middle of the night, his dad would like wake up and like, look at me. Like, I hope you don't like <laughs> get mad yeah. at him or like, but I would, I would like be like, I love you so much, but like, I'm still very annoyed. Like, this is so annoying. This is so annoying. Even though I love you forever, this is annoying. Like, and then he's like drinking from you. And it's just, it's just all the taking, all the taking is exhausting and literally figuratively draining. Yeah. Yeah. That too. I wanted to ask you about conversations with friends. When you came up with the idea for conversations with friends, where was like your mental health at? at that moment before you started shooting and while you were building the idea? My mental health was in the gutter. I shot that film or started shooting it. I was living in LA for five years, hated it, moved back to New York. And then that's when New York had gone through its big gentrification period. I didn't visit a lot. This is like 2011 through, I moved back in 2016 in in December. So like New York had completely changed and like all, all the buildings were gray and like cute. I feel like I didn't have a place in my own city. My neighborhood in Bushwick was like completely different. So when I came back home, I was already depressed because of a situation that happened. I had like a suicide attempt, which brought me back to New York. I still wanted to be outside. Like I told you before, I was outside at least. So I was like, I'm still going to be outside, but I don't want to tell people what's going on with me. And I'm a filmmaker. So I would walk around the parties with like my camera. I would record things because nobody talks to the camera girl, but you could still exist and have fun and drink and turn up. So I would just like go around and film and just film clips of my friends or from out going, going out to eat. I didn't want the conversation to be too deep, but I also wanted to also like not just talk about surface level things. So I was trying to find that balance on film. So the idea for conversation with friends didn't actually happen until I was editing. Like I had edited a completely different film. It was more of like a fuck you to like my ex. Like, this is what you missed out on. This is what I'm yeah. doing. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm doing this. And I had a lot of first big moments within my film career. And I just put all of that in. And I was like, look, I'm back home. This is me. Da, 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 da. And then I like watched it again. And I was like, this doesn't feel authentic. Like, if you're going to tell a film, share a film, you have to make sure. And it's a documentary. You can't be a liar. <laughs> or it's horrible. Yeah. yeah. And people, because people figure that out too. People are sneaky. Don't clock you. Yeah. Exactly. Don't clock you. So I've changed the voiceover and the narrative to like say, like, yeah, I was at South by Southwest, but I had an anxiety attack before this or like how come people can't see that i'm so depressed when i'm like mm-hmm. i have mascara stains under my under my eyes you know what i mean like i'm crying in the bathroom before this so i changed it to show like you can be very productive and very active but still be in the gutter so that's how the idea came it, it came literally in post-production when i was just like sitting and editing i think i did it on thanksgiving and i was like being an emo girl like i don't want to i don't want to celebrate i'm just gonna edit my film and then yeah i released it one year after i moved back to new york i love that when you released it, did you expect like as many people to resonate with it as it did? Or like, because there's two types of filmmakers I've, I feel like I've known. One who are like, this is the best fucking movie ever, and people are just going to figure it out. And then people that aren't really sure about, you know, it's, I just wanted to release something into the world. What was it like for you when you started to get all this feedback and people relating to your project? It was wild because I had been creating films similar to that one before that while I was in LA for five years. So I was just like, this is like another film, but let me let me be the subject this time. So I, when I put it out, I literally thought like people are going to, I was like, I'm about to get unfollowed crazy. Like people are going to yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody's going to like this shit. It's too real. Like it's too dark. I don't know if people understand my humor. And I actually deactivated my page for two days when I released it. I pulled out the little 15 second trailer. 
And I was like, I'll release it in a couple of days. When I released it, people were texting me like, yo, I just saw your trailer. Like, I can't wait to see your film. Are you screening it anywhere? And I'm like, literally no. And, and then I was like, let me get oh, back yeah. to it. People are seeing this. Like, I wasn't that popular on social media. So people were seeing it, commenting. And I was like, oh, wow, we all depressed. Like, little did I know. <laughs> no, my whole generation is that. <laughs> 100%. 100%. I want to touch back on motherhood for a second. You said you wanted a boy, right? Yeah. And you got a boy. How do you talk to your son about expressing his feelings? This has been a conversation since he was literally a nugget. Like when he's having a moment, like say he's having a tantrum, and that's like the most frustrating time because you're just like, shut up, like get in the seat, like do it, just do it, just do the thing. But I had to realize like, when I'm at my highest or like my angriest, that's not the perfect time to talk to me because I'm going to say the worst things to you. I'm going to say my angriest thoughts. I'm going to hurt your feelings and I'm going to shoot fast. Yeah, so yeah. same with me. I'm like, let me give him time to calm down. Like, I'm like, I'll send him to his room. Like, hey, go to your room for a second. Come back in five minutes. Like, take five minutes. And I'm like, when he comes back downstairs, like, use your words. You're only using your words. Like, how do you feel? And he said, I feel sad. I feel this. I feel that. Why do you feel that way? Kind of like talking to him through his feelings. Yeah. And it's usually like, you didn't let me get an extra snack. And, was, and it, I can get to the, I could solve that issue. You didn't get an extra snack because of X, Y, Z. But before he was even able to talk or when he just began to talk, I would ask him like, what does a happy face look like? What does a sad face look like? What does a mad face look like? What does a surprise face look like? I would go through all of the emotions basically. And I would throw in like, what does anxiety look like? And he wouldn't know, obviously he wouldn't know what it is, but I would like tell him about it and talk him through it. And Obviously, there's no face for anxiety. So I would show him, like, when he would try to show me a face that is, that's anxious, I would show him a face that's anxious, too, and it's a different face. And I would teach him, like, there's no face to anxiety, but these are the feelings that make you anxious. So these are the feelings that are anxiety. Or if you're feeling sad, that's not depression, but, like, this is what depression could look like with you. So I would talk to him in, like, a very infantile way, of course, but I wanted him to know the definitions of things and, and instead of just saying, like, I don't know. I don't want to do this. I hate this. Like, no, what are you feeling instead of what do you want to do? Or what do you need? Right. Or not. What do you need? What do you, what snack do you want? I want him to just tell me what he's feeling inside. I love that. Have you had a conversation with him about being black in America yet? Not yet. Yo, <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting until kindergarten. <laughs> I was going to wait until kindergarten. He goes to school. You're in the city, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those are going Park Slope. Oh my God, it's so fun! <laughs> I was gonna wait until kindergarten. <laughs> it's like telling them Santa Claus isn't real. That is so fucking. I'm gonna sit him down. Like, look, look at this. He like kind of realizes something is off. Not off, but something is different with him. He goes to school in Park Slope, and you know Park Slope. I'm oh, like, yeah. he's the only like black kid in his class. He's a black kid and it's a Middle Eastern kid, and they like gang gang yeah right they just they just naturally made and when i saw, I saw the kids fat dad i was like oh hey we're gonna be cool because you know yeah 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 he's cool with two brown kids he notices like he, he definitely notices something is different and i try to tell him like you're black like you're black and he has pressures on girls and i'm like okay like let's not start this too early but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so next year he'll be going to a different school but I, I do notice that he does notice he's he's different than everybody else but i haven't had the black in america talk <laughs> yes it always blows my mind that that Literally has to be a conversation. I know. I feel like it should come from his dad, but it also like leaving it in the hands of a man might not be the best. So I'll probably, we'll probably have to do like a tag team thing. And like, yeah. I don't want to scare him down, but I also want him to be alert 
and aware because he lives in this free i mean he's he's four so he's and lives in a very free world in his mind so that's gonna have to end like at a, at a certain time unfortunately yeah. what age should i talk to him about this i don't know yeah i don't know I, I listen i'm puerto rican and italian so you know for for me to tell a black woman to tell her son <laughs> he's black i was, I was testing you i was testing you <laughs> Well, I feel like you should do it when you feel the most comfortable with yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's so wild to think about that that literally has to be a conversation with your kid at some point. The yeah. world's so wild. I know. And it's like, I always think, like, I want to just live somewhere else in the world. And it's like, it's not good really anywhere. Like, it's really trash in so many places. Unless you want to live in, like, the woods. Just be by yeah, yourself. No, it's true. It's true. I want to talk about your former relationships right and an abusive relationship right i always love to see the female mind on this everybody says oh just leave all the time right yeah everybody goes oh just leave oh just leave oh why don't you just leave even other females will say that to you on the surface it's the right thing to say right in their minds that's what they think just leave just leave what was your breaking point in terms of being like I know that this is not where I need to be, where I want to be, where you had that moment of clarity. Because I feel like you, women, or at least me and a few of my friends that I know, you play that like that double dutch game. Like you jump in and it's hard to jump back in, but you like you jump in and you find your stride and you ended up tripping over the rope and you go back out and you jump in again. It's like when you get to the point where you're tired of fucking playing jump rope, like when you're tired of just going back and forth, like it, it's exhausting when you see it kind of transcending into like not only a personal but within your friendships because it does end up affecting your friendships because they one don't want to hear about your shit the same thing over and over and over i hate giving the same advice twice so let alone like giving advice to somebody that you know is great and it, they're with somebody who's like literally a shithead not yeah. really see so they'll get exhausted like your family does you you start like not bringing that person around so you're living like a double life when it becomes like just all encompassing of like your sadness the relationship that's when you you got to like really assess that it's time to go. And it's the hardest thing. Like just leave is the band, going back to the band-aid statements. Like, yeah, cool. I know I need to do that. But how do I do that? You have to like, like legit come up with a plan. Like I'm not going to text this person or I'll text. I have to do like, I'll text this person like once a week after that. Yeah, yeah. Text. So like, you got to kind of like wing yourself off of the person, just like anything else. Because relationships are somewhat of like an addiction in my mind. Like you're so used to that person. You're so used yeah. to having that company. You got to wing yourself off of it, but you also have to like be at your wits end because it's not going to happen until you feel like you're ready for it. Unfortunately. Absolutely. I feel like uh, men are just like have a hard time leaving relationships too. Like, you know, are you comfortable? Is it just like, even when it's like painful for you, I have a brother who does that. Uh, You know, it it depends who's putting it on us, I guess at that point. You know, sometimes like I, I've had friends who have stayed with girls who we've fucking hated. You know, like we were like, dude, we fucking hate this fucking chick. Like, dude, get out of this. And then like you just like always be around. And I remember like I asked him one day, I was like, yeah, like, is this like the, the best bedroom experience of your entire life? And he was just <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, all right, now it makes a lot of sense while you're hanging around. Uh, wow. You know, men stay around for some weird for some, you know let's say uh animalistic reasons interesting species you are yeah 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 it's it's, uh, that's not even to begin to scratch the surface so listen i want to spend the rest of the show talking about sad girls sad girls do you guys work with dudes (laughs) so 
all of our events that we have open to anyone, however you identify, he, she, they, them, y'all welcome. A lot of our programming is for everyone. Like we have a ther- one-on-one therapy scholarship program. All of it is for guys, but this we don't have specific programming for men. Cause I truly feel that for me to like support men of color, I need to know, or it, I feel like it needs to come from a man of color. I don't know all the nuances of your day. Like, I didn't know you guys would just stay around just for sex. Like, that's just such a weird thing to me. But like, oh, okay. <laughs> there's so many things that I just don't know about men, but it's so interesting. And I want to learn alongside of a man who wants to help me lead it. So like, if anybody is interested in helping me lead like a sad boys club or whatever that looks like, I'm down to do it. We had a, a, a brief stint of sad boys club before, but I feel like I need a man to help me lead it, honestly, for it to be as authentic as I want it to be. Bad Boys Club sounds like the best record label of all time, to be honest with you. Everybody signed to it. Hey, right? So it's, you get so many good artists. And then what are some of the type of things you guys do in the community in terms of whether is it uh, fundraising? Is there, do you guys have outings? Like, what do you guys do within the community outside off the internet? We do have in-person events. We have a, a couple every quarter. Each spring, we have a big summit. It's like a half day summit with all like wellness activities. Like we have like a paint and sip, makeup artist thing. Like, you have all types of things to help you learn about how to be the best version of you. That's every May um, for women's, I mean for Mental Health Awareness Month. We have a scavenger hunt in the fall. That's like a wellness scavenger hunt. We provide services all around New York City through like an SGC passport that you can that you can get called the Forty Eight Hour Project, and that gets people like out of their homes because it's it's it happens in October. It's like summer's over, but you still want stuff to do, but you don't know what to do. So we yes. built a passport and we partnered with like a lot of brands and wellness spaces to give you like a free massage or go get your nails done or go to go in this store. You can get like a free product with this passport. So it gets people out of the house because sometimes it's just like awesome. getting out of the house is what you need. I would say that's like 90% of where people should start. Yeah. Like go outside, like put your phone down. Put yeah. It, okay, it's okay. Put it in your back pocket and go outside. Or even if you want to listen to a podcast outside instead of just in your home making eggs, like go outside and walk. That's why I always try to like have like my little like plants around, even when I'm doing Zoom and stuff. It like make it makes me feel like I'm outside a little bit. You know what I mean? It's I like, like a, I try to have like my my terrace like open all the time. So like even if it's cold, I could pretend that I'm outside even when I'm not outside. Yeah. You need that. You need that sunlight. Like that's what we need is that vitamin D, that serotonin boost, and we don't get that. So all of our events typically in the summer, spring, we do them all outside. We've done like picnics, picnics in the park. We do a lot of different things. I like to just make it different so you don't know what to expect. And we attract a different type of like sad girl or sad boy at each gathering. Women are so good at going outside. It's crazy. They're way better than men at going outside. This is just like the observationalist shit that I say. I'm like, everywhere I go, I see more women outside than men. I was like, do we fucking go outside? I was like, we don't get shit. So you got to drag them, drag you out or reason. It has to be a reason. Like I'm going out for this. I'm going out to the voting. I'm going. It's like, but no, you can go outside. We free. We free. Like my wife will be like, yeah, let's go like outside. I'm like, for what? Like what's happening? (laughs) You know, I'm just like, yo, someone dying. What what the fuck? I was like, is the world going to end? She's like, no, like you need to fucking go outside. I remember my wife came in to our apartment one time. She was like, you need to go outside. And I was just like, damn. She was like, go walk around the block a couple times. I was like, yeah, I was just like, damn, dude. Like, I try to, like, be in an upright position when she gets home and shit now. I'm just like, she's gonna... kind of been there all day. <laughs> you know, I get to, like, I get to work from home. <laughs> I mean, she's out, like, seeing patients and shit. 
you know, like she's doing like the whole thing. Like she comes home and like sees me just like, yo, what up? It's like video <laughs> games, it drives her nuts, and I get it. On the table. But I want to talk about the website too, obviously. The chat room, self-care resources. Let's start with the chat room. The mental health support. Express your feels with zero judgment. That's I love that. Safe spaces and resources for wherever you're at right now. I love that you have a chat room and resources because one of the most asked questions I get is where do I start? Where, where do I get started? Like, I don't know about resources. They don't really know how to do the research. What was the driving force for you to be putting? I think I know the answer, but what was the driving force for you to put that into the website and have it integrated into the website? For the same reason you just said, like people don't know where to start. And I want it to be all encompassing. Like I wanted the site to feel like an AOL chat room kind of, this is why our programming is like, it's called chat room. And I want you to be able to get everything in one spot and things that are like, not just go on um, NAMI, NAMI is amazing, but NAMI.org. People just give like these blanket websites that is just like, yeah, that's one resource, but there are so many that are pretty niche to like what you're experiencing and like what you need. So we try to list as many, we update it periodically because, you know, you, you need to have like, in abundance. Like I want to have like an abundance of care on the site. So that's just another way. If you if you don't want to use our resources, there are many amazing platforms that are also doing a damn thing, maybe um in a different way than Sadgross Pub. I love it. Also, I wanted to talk about you have two candles on this website, right? Which one do you like more? The no rush? I like Irie. You like the Irie candle? Irie candle. It's more of like a mellow. Mellow kind of vibe. The No Rush is more of like a citrusy. It's supposed to like get you up and going, but also like No Rush, like take your time. Just, you know, this is just here to support you. And also, I love that, you know, even throughout the website, you have little tidbits, right? It's a one in four experience significant symptoms of major depressive disorder. One in three feel anxious or depressed. One in three of Americans relate to feelings of depression and anxiety as COVID-19 started to spike and uh, the pandemic has had a significant impact on the mental health of young people. I think people need to see statements like that to really kind of understand. And it's not like a fear mongering statement, but it's a, it's a statement to be like, Hey, listen, like you got four people in a room. Somebody's going through it. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like, don't, and so some people are like, well, not in this room. Like, no, literally every single room, like not even <laughs> your room too. When people see numbers, that's why we put it in that bold, colorful font. It's like, this is so easy for you to digest. It's not in a long paragraph. It's like, no, this is an issue. And those numbers, I'm sure are a lot higher now. Like this oh, is like yeah. research. It's sexy to be sad nowadays. It is. I'm sure those numbers are a lot higher. With the t- and listen, I love that so many people are talking i just hope that people stay true to the message you know and i'm sure you deal with that as well yeah i mean i've done dealt with it with companies and brands and even like artists who work with us celebrities i'm like okay i better see you next year and i i'm i'm somebody to challenge people hey you said this you said you'll do this what's up you know what i mean and there's a lot of people who are just off or like trying to find a moment with you because it's cool and trendy but i'm the one that's like hey (laughs) remember me what's up I'm i'm in the streets so before I let you go, I wanted to ask you a couple quick questions. Relationship advice for anybody out there struggling with their mental health. How can we as women approach our partners about what we're dealing with? 
I would say like timing is everything. Obviously, when somebody walks through the door, it's not the best time. Find a time where it's like quiet. You both are in like a very zen, relaxed mode. And you can ask them like, hey, are you in a space right now? And in a way that sounds authentic to you, but this is like the language. I think, are you in a space right now to like hear some deep shit or like help me with something? Yeah. That's really like, you know, just make sure that they can at least give you the advice you need. Because sometimes we just dump and people are like, I, wait, hold on. I, I'm going to do my own thing. So like just for airing the whole fucking place out. You're like, no. <laughs> like it's my 13th reason. Like, nah. So I would say do that first. And then after that, like share with them in a way, like, because you're not accusing them of every, of anything. And usually people take things personally when you say to them about yourself. Like, I'm feeling like I'm not supported here, or like I'm going through this. I don't feel valued here. People will take that, especially if they're a loved one, and say, like, what am I doing wrong? Like just let them know this isn't about you. This is all about me. This is how I'm feeling. I know this might affect you or you might play this blame, but like, this is honestly about me. Nothing you're doing is wrong. Da, da, da. Or if it is something that they're doing, you can bring that up a little later, but make it like I statements. This is what I'm going through. This is what I'm feeling. I really need some support. Yes. Do you, anything? Do you have any advice or tips or can you just help me as I like find myself through this? Cause you can just do it on your own and like need somebody to just coach you or help you or check in on you. I have friends who just check in on me. Like, Hey, can you check in on me? I'm having a hard ass week. And I thought like I'm about to slap somebody. And then 24 hours later, like, has someone been slapped? Like, sometimes you just need those friends that you know are, like, looking out after you. And then, honestly, have the conversation. Like, be authentic with what you're feeling. And not nine times out of ten, but, like, seven times out of ten, me just sharing what I'm going through with somebody else, that's a part of the healing. Like, just getting it out, that's uh. like, oh, oh, snap. Like, I, I'm actually able, because when you have to share with someone else what you're going through, you're able to articulate and understand within yourself, like I'm feeling this way and they can help guide you. Like, Oh, is it work? Is it this? Is it that? Oh yeah. You did say like your mom was coming over. I know she always annoys you. Like it could be something like that. They can help you with that problem. But like just dumping that out and having somebody to listen to you and like actually listen to you and not be on their phone. is like, that's a game changer in itself. Yeah. No. Speaking about being on the phone too. How do you manage like your social media intake? Oh Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things to consume out there, even like especially in the mental health space, right? Even like now that we're talking about it, how do you like handle your relationship with social media and uh, your mental health? Do you have like a timer like on your Instagram or like do you have like certain things that you deal with? I always wonder because sometimes I literally have started this new practice that when I go to sleep, I try to leave my phone in another room. I like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm failing at it fucking immensely, but you know, I'm I'm trying to do it the best that I can read a book and fall asleep. Yeah. As I feel like also for me, I, I feel like I got a good practice down. Like I only use social media between certain times because I started thinking of oh. social media as work because it is, it is my fucking job. I have to be on there. I have to post and do stuff. So if it's work, you're not clocking in on your day off. Like, Hey, y'all, <laughs> people are done. And flipping burgers on their day off. So if I don't need to be on there, I'm not on there. So I have, a, I don't go on before 11 a.m. and I'm off of it after 10 p.m. And only on TikTok am I like thirsty as hell to be on there. So I have to put a timer where it's like, girl, you've been on here an hour and a half this entire day, which is wild because I'm like, well, how many hours are we up in a day? 18. Yeah. So to be on one platform for an hour and a half, I'm like, all right, like cut the cord. So I have a timer on TikTok. Instagram is typically easy for me to get off of. Yeah, yeah. It's not as engaging. I could swipe the talk for days. Yeah, yo. I'm like, this is just, they got the algorithm down because it's getting yeah. Hey, I hit that timer almost every day. But then I'm like, nah, chill. Like, and then I also have this like 
human alarm clock that's always running around my house that like keeps me off of my phone pretty often. That so, too. That too. That too. <laughs> Honestly, I can't wait to have a kid because I don't have to have it. Yeah, I can't leave my phone in another room because he got. <laughs> <laughs> like I told my wife, I said, "Listen, when we have a kid, like." She's like, you're going to stay up late and like take care of the kid. I'm like, Selena, my wife's name is Selena. I said, I'm up till four o'clock in the morning anyway. And you're you know gonna- I mean? Listen, I-, I was an uncle when I was eight years old. I've been changing diapers since I was eight. Oh, snap. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm Puerto Rican. It's a- we have children early. I could change a diaper with my hands tied behind my back and <laughs> change it with my feet if I have to. I would- I'm just, I've been doing it for 25 years. So, like, I've always been thinking that when she has to go back to work, I said, I'm just going to hang out with this little kid all day. Like, I don't have to carry this kid. Like, I don't have to give birth to it, but I get to hang out with it after. That's kind of dope. That's the good. I mean, you got the good end of the stick for sure. Yeah, man. I can't imagine. I can't imagine giving birth to a human being, dude. I wish that we had the choice to, like, impregnate y'all. That would be sick. Oh, my God. You want to know what's funny is that, guys, like, if they wouldn't get pregnant just because, like, they would think their friends would think they were, like, gay somehow. It's like, I don't want to tell my friends I'm pregnant. And they'd just be like, why? I'd just be like, I don't know. Like, Tyler's going to say I'm gay. You know, like, Dude, you let a girl get you pregnant? That's so gay. Are you a man? <laughs> Are you a man, dude? <laughs> oh my god i can't wait to tell everybody about this growing up mm-hmm. and how you're tying this into like how your household is run now mental health talked about not talked about dabbled what was it kind of like for you growing up no we're almost the same age like that was not a conversation that was happening yeah, no. yeah not in my house either <laughs> that was not the top conversation if they had it it wasn't with me so no i didn't know about mental health until like late teens and and that's just like me like oh mental health like yeah but like actually knowing about mental health mid-20s i would say so like this is still a new conversation for me too i'm like 10 years in see i'm excited to see like the future of like uh of like our households you know it's like uh people who are in the mental health you know arena trying to help people all the time people that are mental health professionals doctors all that stuff like kids aren't going to know like kind of like how good they got it. They won't. They won't. And I, I'm I'm nervous though. I see a lot of like, I don't want to get into the Gen Z's, but like wh- I'm happy that we're raising the generation that is going to like tease the Gen Z's, if that makes sense. But also we're raising the generation that will be the most mentally stable generation that we've ever seen too. So I'm kind of excited. That's a really strong kind of package because we are the generation that knows what life was like before social media and then during and after. So we yeah, have, have like... I feel like we ha- I always think about roasting. I'm like, who these kids who tell jokes? I'm like, it's so corny. But like, we're teaching the kids like how to roast properly and also how to be like the most mentally aware of themselves and others. And I don't know. I feel like we we got it. We got it pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I, listen, you want to know that we were the last era of like you had to call your friend's house. Yeah, and then if they were online, you'll get that sound. Oh. <laughs> Like, we do this. Like, I still do this. And this is not the phone signal anymore. This is Yeah, this right? I'm like, yo, just call me. Be like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? Like, you guys don't know. You guys don't know. But I used to tell people all the time. It's like, even with the... I remember when I would be on, like, AIM, and, and my mom would pick up the phone. I'd just be like, who picked up the phone? 
like, I'll, I'll computer. It's computer. All the time. He was like, what are you doing on the computer? I was like, master, not nothing. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't doing anything on the computer. You could do the phone call. Tell Aunt Rose I said hello. <laughs> Before I let you go, I asked this question to everybody on the show. Are you happy today? I am happy today. I love that. I love that. You know, we, we like to make sure people, we, we check in with ourselves. Sometimes that kind of is where it starts. Let's just check in on ourselves. And then we can help everybody else out. Because if I'm not good... I can't help others be good. The cup is empty, as they say. I don't feel I, you know, then it becomes people-pleasing. Where can everybody find you? Where can people find conversations with friends? Where can they find sad girls? Where can they find everything Elise Fox? So you can find more about Sad Girls Club at sadgirlsclub.org, not.com.org, Instagram, Sad Girls Club, everywhere Sad Girls Club. You can find me, Elise, period, Fox on every platform. And then on Vimeo, my name is Elise Fox on Vimeo. So you can see all of the films that I've done as well as conversations with friends. And also shout out to Tickety Boo who did our website and our, all of our branding for Sad Girls Club. They are amazing, amazing, amazing small team. Love it. Love it. And uh, guys, you could follow us at 101 OTC on Instagram and we'll see you guys next time. Elise, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I really appreciate it. I know you're very busy. I appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me and listen to me mansplain things for about five minutes. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Off the Cuff, presented to you by 101 Life. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and send us some love with a review. And don't forget, we're all in this together and you're never alone. Peace. Fate Entertainment. Ah!